0: So we've been in this series uh, called I Declare War because so many of the things that that hold us back really um, are are things that we could fight against, that we could end the struggle with um, because uh, because we've been given this power by God to do so. Uh, The Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, um, there's good news is that, um, that we don't have to sin because of the power of God that's in us. The bad news is we still choose to. So, uh, what we have, so we've talked about, hey, we need to really work about or declare war on, on our thoughts and what we think. And so we spent some time in the first week of this series really declaring war on that. I'm going to think this way. Last week, Todd did an awesome job preaching on, uh, on, on our words, on what we speak, that our words really do have an, an eternal impact. On people. And he shattered uh, the glass, some of the lies um, that, that we need to shatter, that we need to get rid of in, in our lives um, in order to, to step forward. Um, and today, um, the natural progression is um, where uh, we, we think um, and when we talk, um, but really it's we need to talk about our actions now. Because if all of the love for God that we have amounts to our thoughts and, and to our words, then it's literally just good intentions. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? And when it doesn't lead, when our thoughts and our words don't lead to a changed life, when it doesn't lead to new action and a whole new um, way of living, then unfortunately we end up in a predicament where all of the people around us, they would object to our intention to tell them about Jesus because of all the hypocrisy that they see. When it's just our thought life and our, our speech, our word life that has that, that changed in us, people look at us and say, I hear what you're saying but I don't see what you're doing. I don't see you living a life that would glorify God. I don't see you living a life that would bring about change in us. So our thoughts and our words have to lead to action. James put it this way. He says, yeah, you talk about your faith. You talk about all of this good stuff. I'll show you my faith by what I do because faith without works is what? it's dead. It's dead. And I think so many people are living life really with a dead faith. It's not that they don't have it, it's just that it's dead. And we don't want a dead faith. We want a faith that is living, that is vibrant, that is active, that is life-changing, that is making an impact on the world. Is anybody with me? Like that's the faith that we want. As we were in Costa Rica, we we got to see some living, active, vibrant faith. And I'm not going to spend uh, very long. I've got about 23 minutes left uh, before you all get up and walk out. Um, so I don't want to spend the whole time talking about Costa Rica, but I do want to tell you, we saw some living and active faith. There is a, a lady named Bella Flora, uh, which means beautiful flower. And um, what she did is she decided to uh, step into this gang-infested uh, ghetto and just clean it up. And now this lady is, is amazing. By herself. Her family kind of said, hey, you know what? If you're going to do that, I'm not with you. And she said, I could not neglect the call of God in my life because my family didn't want me to go. And just living, active faith. It makes sense to to what Jesus said, if you don't leave your father and mother or or betray your your father and mother or or even your kids to follow me, then, then you're not one of me. But this lady decided, you know what, I, I don't know how much impact that I can help, but I'm going to go and I'm going to clean up the streets, I'm going to pick up trash. She said, you, "You I couldn't tell you how many parts of babies that I've picked up off the bank of the river because they perform their own abortions. Unbelievable. Active, vibrant faith, a lady who is changing the world, and nobody even really knows about her, That's an act of living faith. Uh, we went to a place called Casa de Pan, uh, a lady... He just had a heart for orphans, and her, her and her husband, and so they, they adopted two kids. And the husband said, okay, but that's all. Like, no more. Every time he left, he'd come back more kids. Right now, there are 46 kids living in their house. Active, vibrant faith, changing the world, really for eternity. And I just want a faith like that. But it's got to come from action. You know, we can think all we want. Oh man, I would really love, and I think somebody ought to go and help some orphan people somewhere. Or I think somebody ought to go clean up the ghetto and and, and do their best to get rid of the gang infested thing. And I'll pray for that and I'll talk about that. But until we're willing to step up and say, God, I will go and do that, our faith is not living and active and vibrant. For too long, the church has sat back and said, you know what? My thoughts and my, my words are good enough. It's time to step up and act like our faith or act like a wolf as we've been going through this this series i declare war if you have a copy of scripture we're going to be in first thessalonians chapter five starting in verse five and um it's uh, if you have your bible with you you can follow along it's going to be in a translation that most of us probably aren't real familiar with called the the message Um, but it'll be up on the board in that and verse five it says this you are sons of light and daughters of the day We can stop right there and just take a like a big break, because that's awesome. That that Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was writing to a church full of people and saying, Hey, you know what? You are sons of light and daughters of the day. Like if you are a Jesus follower, what does God think about you? He thinks that you're a son of the light or a daughter of the day. And that's to say, hey, listen, you know what? You're not your pain. You're not your past. You're not your, your guilt, you're not your shame, you're not your family of origin, you're not your dysfunction, you're not your overeating tendency, you're not your obsessive compulsive disorder that pushes people aside, you're not your stress, you're not your anxiety, you're not your fear, you are a son of light and a daughter of the day. And when the enemy, when the enemy can get us to identify ourselves as our past or our mistakes, then he can keep us crippled in this downward loop or, or spiral of disorder that causes us to be ineffective and unproductive in our faith. But when we hold on, listen, stop, when we hold on to, to the, this fact that we are sons of light and daughters of the day, that we are who God says we are and not who the world says that we are, it changes everything. Man, we're just five words in. I'm getting heated. All right, check the time. Because we live under wide open skies and know where we stand. Say, so, do you know where you stand? So, I do. Like I, there, Like, there is... Um, no doubt to me where I stand, and it's important to know where you stand in your relationship with God in your um, your Christian walk. It's important to know where you stand because to to know that means that we have confidence in what's tomorrow. But it says we live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like like those others. You ever see anybody sleepwalking through life? Same thing every day. Go to work. Come home, sit on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter for hours, turn on Fox News or CNN or or whatever I want to watch, and I veg out to that. And and really, my life is not productive. It's not active. It's just the same over and over and over again. Let us not sleepwalk through through life like others do. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we are creatures of the day, let's act like it. And that's the thing, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. For God didn't set us up for angry rejection, but for salvation. And so many people think, well, God, like, uh, God's coming after me to punish me. No, God didn't set us up for angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we are awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we're alive with him. And then one more time, the emphasis in verse 8, since we are creatures of the day, let's act like it. My whole sermon in in one sentence this morning is your daily activity should come from your new identity. It should change the way that you live. Because you are a son of the light or a daughter of the day, it should begin to, to, to be worked out in your faith. This new life Should have an impact on your day-to-day activity. So we should live acting like a wolf, and the thing is that 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 we can't do that alone. It's one of our core values that that we can't do life alone. And wolves, you know, they they travel in packs. They're very social creatures, Um, and one of the fascinating things about them is their their family devotion. And what's, what's the, the law of the jungle according to the jungle book? The strength of the wolf is in the pack and the strength of the pack is in the wolf. The idea is that when they're together, like wolves, they'll fight for each other. It's safe and powerful in the pack. But you get a lone wolf off by itself, it's vulnerable to an attack. A rival wolf pack will, will take them out. You know, I've always said, or at least for a long time, that I can always tell when someone's getting ready to, to take a step away from God. Because the first step's always a step away from the people of God. They'll stop showing up at church, they'll stop being in small groups, or they'll stop doing whatever. And I can always, I say, it's always the first step away from God, is to step away from the people of God. Because our pack matters, who, who we're around. Um, and uh, it's amazing, really, the way that wolves kind of organize themselves. There's the alpha. I mean, in every wolf pack, there's an alpha male and an alpha female, both. Um, but then there's what they call the betas, which are kind of lieutenants, and they kind of keep everybody in order, and there's a lot of them. Um, and more classes all the way through, even to, to the omega wolf, um, who's last. And he kind of, he, He's the one that has to eat last, and they kind of throw him aside until, until he's allowed to eat. And, um, but he, he's got a job in the pack. He's kind of the, um, the, the word was a court jester that they used, is that he was the one that kind of boosted morale. He was the goofball that kind of made everybody laugh and, and, and smile. So he had a function, and I love that because much like the body of Christ, God gives some this gift and some this gift, but there's a place in the pack for everybody. Like there's a place for everybody to fit, whether God's calling you to be uh, the lieutenant, the alpha, the beta, the, the, the court jester. I don't know. I think that's my job is that I just get to, be, I get to be the one that makes people laugh. I don't know, but life is better together, and life is better when you have a pack, and we have to really ask ourselves, who are the people in, the, in my pack that I'm rolling with? Because that's important. Who am I doing life with? And, and I'll tell you, there's been study after study after study done that really says that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Like Financially, you figure out financially where you are. If you take the five people that you're closest to, your income's probably in that average. Um, use spiritual zeal, you want to be on fire for something that god that, that that god's on fire about or god's passionate about you hang around people that are passionate about that said so i have no desire in in photography whatsoever i don't even know how to take a picture um, as you can tell like people always say "Wow, well, when you go there take pictures i'm the worst picture taker on the planet i hate it but the guy that, that we travel with and the guy that lives in costa rica he was a professional photographer for years and years like world-published, like, went and spoke at Canon and Nikon, things, like, unbelievable, his passion for photography. So we're walking around this place called La Paz with some waterfalls, and um, and he's just talking about, oh, this would, this would be a great shot. Someone ought to get a picture of this. And before I know it, I'm like, hey, how do I even push this button? Like, I was so passionate about it. Why? Because I was spending time with someone who was passionate about it. Like, so, so real quickly, this tells us, hey, if you want to get richer, Get richer, your friends. <laughs> but if you want to be on fire for things that God's on fire with, you find people who are on fire about that, and you go change the world because it's going to rub off. The second thing, not only does your pack matter, but your posture matters. And, and what do I mean by posture? I mean literally like the way that you stand, the way that you, you carry yourself, what your mom always said, stand up straight, um, that your posture matters. And I wonder what, what, what your posture would say about you. Because when, when you look at a wolf, they say they can tell how successful a wolf is going to be from a very early age in life by the way he carries himself, or, or by the way she carries herself. Said you can, you can look through a, a scope and you can see in a pack, they say that um, they're gonna be able to tell which one is, is the alpha at a very early age or, or which one's the omega at, at a very early age. So the alphas are almost like nobility, that they're buried, but just by the way that they carry themselves. You know, their ears down, their ears up, bristled fur, non-bristled fur, uh, whether the animal shows its underside is is a sign of submission, all of those things. They can tell from a very early age simply by the way that they carry themselves. And I just wonder how, how important that stuff is. So I looked into it. The way we carry ourselves lends a lot to the stress that we have in our life. You know, they say if you walk around like this or or, or if you stand like this for 15 minutes, the cortisol levels in your body actually 15 times what they normally would be. That is stressful. You know how many health problems, diseases um, are are related to our stress level? A big part of it is by the way we carry ourselves. They also say if you stand in this position, uh, upright with your, your, your chest stuck out, and, and you have a, your cortisol levels actually drop by about 25%. Just by the way you carry yourself. I'm telling you, there's something in our body language that, that has power, like even when we don't feel like it. You look at the book of Psalms, an amazing book. David wrote a lot of it, but it never says, stand with your hands in your pocket, looking at the ground, and sing your praises to God. What does it say? It always says, hold up your head. God is the lifter of head. Raise up your hands. Shout unto the Lord a, a new song. Sing, lift your voice. Be above all of that stuff. Why? Because God knows that the way we carry ourselves matters. There's power in it. You know, and it's so much so that, that I've told this story several times. But when I first started preaching, um, I, was, I was scared to death. I don't know if any of you like being up in front of people, um, but it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Like you all are frightening to me, um, but for ten years the, the I would step back into the bathroom during the communion song um, and start vomiting in the in the bathroom. I was scared, and it said and it, and it reflected in my preaching because so I would preach like, "So mind your pack and mind your posture, and while you're at it, give some thought to who wants to listen to that." Nobody. But when I started uh, really understanding that my posture affected everything and I began to stand up straight and I began to raise my voice and I began to look at you in the eyes and I I began to use some of that, you know, it changes everything. Now I'm still scared to death, but I'm not puking in the back beforehand. (laughs) The posture really does matter. After all, who wants to listen to somebody, whether it's on the stage or just in life, that carries themselves like this? final thing this morning that matters, I think, is your pregame. So, so you've got to mind your pack. Who, who's around you really does affect everything. And mind your posture. Know how you carry yourself affects the witness that you're going to be to others. Know that it affects the, the stress level that you carry around every day. But also understand that your pregame. I say part of the thing that changed uh, in my preaching about, about 10 years ago now is my pregame. I used to sit there on uh, stress about it all day, Friday, all day, Saturday, knowing that I was going to have to get up on stage again on Sunday and have all these beady little eyes staring at me and judging everything that I do. Um, and uh, my, my pregame changed. Instead of being in fear, what I began to do is walk around the sanctuary. And you'll find me doing it just every Sunday morning. I walk around praying for God to give me boldness to preach. For God to give me courage to stand up here and present the word of God in a way that, that you would want to hear and understand. And, and so I became more and more bold in my preaching. And some people look at it and say, Oh, well, he's arrogant. That preacher's so arrogant. Yeah, I don't care if you think I'm arrogant or not. Whatever. Um, it's boldness. I said, Get, get to know me. Like I, that, that's, but what you do, the pregame, matters so much. You know, I watched a, a short 10-minute video um, called The American Wolf. And it was about reinstating or, or repopulating the, the wolf population in Yellowstone National Park. They were relocating them from Canada to, uh, to Yellowstone because uh, the, the wolves had been driven out of there at one point. And what they found was that, that when the wolves were driven out, the elk population skyrocketed, which was devastating to the countryside because they were eating, tearing everything up, which changed the course of even of the rivers that were flowing and, and destroyed kind of the whole thing. But when they introduced them back in, the ecosystem there began to come back to what it was. And here's one of the parts that really stood out that was fascinating to me. It said, the wolves, they often gather to howl before setting off on a nightly hunt. Like apparently it was kind of a morale boosting exercise. Like they'd all get together and just start, Whoa! Just, just laying their head back and just howling. And then often a rally would, it would come from that, and they'd be jumping in. like That's what they call a wolf, like a wolf pack. There's fur flying everywhere, uh, tails wagging and going. Um, but that's what they would do to get themselves energized for, for a hunt. They'd get back and scream together. I, mean, I just wonder if wolves have the common sense to, to do something that would fire them up before the game. Why do we not give it a second thought before we're walking into work in the morning uh, about getting some scripture in line in our lives, for we're doing a little pregame work? Why would you go into a tense meeting? Like you're going to brush your hair, you're going to brush your teeth, um, I hope. Um, But why would you not think about going in, wondering what's going on inside your heart and getting that right before you step into it? Why would you not want to take some time to ground yourself with a scripture verse or or, or take some time to listen to a worship song that's going to to, to make your mood a bit better? Why would you not want to speak some truth over your kids before they go off to school in the morning? To speak some faith over your day? Why would you not give some time to your pregame when all you're doing is worried about the actual game? What you do before matters. The decisions that you make before matter. I love what Paul says as he's talking about acting. Because oftentimes we think, well, Josh, that, that's not really me. You know, I, I need to be me. I don't want to just, I don't want to act. I don't want to be fake. But he says, says, put on or clothe yourself with faith and love and the hope of salvation. He's saying suit up every day. And clothing yourself with that, it's not fake. What it is, is obedience. Paul said this in Galatians 2.20. He said, it is no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. The life I live, I live in the the flesh, um, but 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 also now I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. So listen. So I'm not going to do what I feel. I'm going to do what's right. And being obedient is never being fake. It is stepping up. God said that, hey, you are a son of the light. You are the daughter of the day. Act like it, and that's not fake. That's obedience. We are acting to who we want to become. You know, some people say, well, fake it till you make it. And that's not the answer. What it is, is is act it until you become it. By faith, you act it. By faith, you sacrifice your desires, your feelings, your wants, and be obedient to the call of God on your life. Then your faith will be living and active. Then your faith will be a faith that is changing the world. Um... You have to think about that text again. In verse 10 in First Thessalonians, it said that he, his death was a death that triggered life for us. And, listen, and though he was, the, he was the alpha, he gave that away and lowered himself to become a man. You know, not just any man, really the lowest form of man, a servant. Because he died even, he did death on a cross. And it's that death that triggered life for us. So my encouragement to you is to live a life than bowing down before Jesus. To live a life, a posture of bowing down before Jesus, but confident in where you stand. Because you can't rise up if you don't bow low. And there comes such power in your life through, through living a life of worship and surrender to God. It's life changing. So act like it. You're sons of, of the light and daughters of the day. Act like it. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning and um, we're going to sing this morning. And, and there's some here uh, that I know that you've, for years, you, you've been living by thought. You know, maybe your thoughts have even changed. Maybe some things different have been going, have been going on. But thoughts alone aren't good enough. You thought, well, I need to make this decision, or, or I think I need to do this, or maybe I know I need to do this. Listen, today it's time to act. Maybe it's, it's your words. Maybe your words have been, maybe they've been right online. Maybe they haven't been. But today it's time to act. Because thoughts and words, apart from action, are hypocrisy. As the church, as, as followers of Jesus, as sons of the light, as daughters of the day, it's time that we act. So whatever step you need to take today, I'm going to ask you to come forward as we sing. Father God, we are thankful today that you give us the power to act. That you've put us in a place where we have a pack around us who desires uh, the same things that we desire to follow you, uh, to live for you. Father, we, we pray forgiveness when our, our thoughts and our, our words don't match up with our action and the world sees hypocrisy, Lord, I pray that you would even work through that to save people. But Father, I pray every day that we begin to act like we are sons of the light and daughters of the day. And we thank you for Jesus who who suffered a death that triggered our life. It's in his name that I pray, amen.